friends and fam. Thank you guys so much for joining every day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey guys, we got another great interview. This guy is a Marine. I'm extremely excited to uh, have him on as a guest. Um, he is an active duty Marine who is currently serving this great country. He joined in 2001 and graduated boot camp in September, which was a crazy time for America. As a gunnery sergeant, he was selected for the Marine Enlisted Commissioning Education Program and attended officer candidate course in Quantico, Virginia, and graduated from Texas A&M with a bachelor's uh, with a BS in agricultural leadership and development. He reached master sergeant before being commissioned to second lieutenant in 2017. He is currently a captain and is a very decorated Marine with a combat action ribbon Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal with Combat Distinguishing Device and two gold stars, the Navy and Marine Corps Accommodation Medal with three gold stars, and the Purple Heart. Let's welcome Captain Romer of the United States Marines. Hey, man, how hey, you doing? Hey, what's going on? How you doing, man? Oh, not, I'm not doing too bad. I'm not doing too bad. Hoorah, sir. I really appreciate you joining. Um, I'm extremely excited to have you on. I know you're a busy guy. You're still serving this great country. If you can, it, go ahead and introduce yourself, kind of let us know who you are, why you joined the Marines, how the Marine Corps is going for you, and uh, what are your plans after? Yeah, so um, like you said, I joined in, in 2001. Uh, for me, it wasn't a, um, it was a way for me to get away from my hometown. Um, I didn't, hold on. <laughs> Oh, you're good. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Uh, it was a way for me to get away from my uh, from the town that I grew up in. Uh, there's nothing. There was nothing there but drugs uh, and uh, bad stuff to get into. So um, I barely graduated from high school. I had to go to summer school. Gave my recruiter a straight heart attack when I did that, and uh, finally shipped. Got away from all the bad stuff with my my uh, high school degree or high school uh, diploma, and then. Three months of boot camp. Um, I didn't even get the job that I had signed up for. So my recruiter told me I was going to be Intel. I got to Paris Island. They pulled me out, told me I was disqualified from it, and I had to pick another job. Had no idea what I was getting into. And uh, they put a list in front of me, and I looked, and I was like, put my finger on the one that, that had a, had a $5,000 bonus next to it. Cause I never had that much money in my life. And he's like, all right, 08 XX congratulations. And then kicked me out. And I didn't even know what that was until I got to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And they told me I was a field artillery cannoneer. And that was kind of the beginning of my, uh, my journey. And that was kind of weird because nine 11, it just happened. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Cause I, I mean, I seen that you had graduated, you know, around September of 2001. So, yeah, you know, you you joined even before all that stuff had happened. Same thing with me. I joined in the year two thousand when I had joined, so I, I didn't have you know any inclination anything was going to go on. I'm pretty sure when you joined, same type of thing. And then, uh, did you graduate before it actually the September eleventh, or did you actually graduate it was after? After okay, after. So we were wow. walk, we were marching back from the rifle range. Where did you go to boot camp? I was up uh, on uh, Camp Pendleton. Uh, okay, so in, yeah, so at Paris, at Paris Island, instead of taking buses to uh, 
like you would take buses up north to do rifle range and field week right, and crucible range. and everything. We don't have to do it out there. They, they hike you hike out to the the range, and then you stay out there for grass week, firing week, and then it was um, for uh, the the weapons and the the field portion, and then you come back. Well, that happened about. Um, we had just finished, right? We had just finished with all our requirements and we we're marching back. And, uh, as soon as we got back, the, uh, the chaplain pulled us, the CO, the chaplain, the first sergeant, sergeant major, they pulled us, pulled us out. And they said, anybody who is from New York, we just told them to get out of formation. And it was weird because nobody was getting yelled at. We're like, what is going on here? And then some of those dudes didn't come back. It's crazy. Wow. So that was like the, that was, that was like the bandaid coming off, you know, like you, you join, you don't really know like what that means. Right. And then something happens and it's like, well, it, it's a reality check big time, big time. Yeah, absolutely. So now, when did you, you ended up going right into the fleet? I mean, and then how much longer did you have to end up deploying for your first time? Because, I mean, they didn't exactly send us anywhere for me in terms of where my unit was. You know, once 2001 hit, we didn't deploy until 2003. Yeah, so we, we did, um, we got, I got to the fleet. Our school was relatively short. And I uh, went to Golf Battery 211, and we got there. We got assigned our sections. Uh, we were doing a UDP uh, buildup, so we're getting ready to to uh, head to Okinawa for with the BLT 24. Um, and we weren't part of the initial invasion. Our BLT commander called us the bench warmers of the Marine Corps. He said every team has got their bench warmers, and they all serve a purpose, and they need to be ready. And that's what we are. And we just, we set up in the Pacific, floated around, uh, you know, we did Cobra Gold. We hit the, uh, you know, hit Guam. We were around the Philippines, headed up uh, to South Korea. So I mean, we, we were all over the place. Mount Fuji, we shot, wow. we shot uh, artillery at Mount Fuji. Um, and it wasn't until we got back and until the, the NCOs that were with us who, who, who brought us up, transitioned out and then we had taken over the, the leadership roles and we you know moved out and uh and that was when we got the you know the, the order to deploy to iraq as a as a battalion so 211 deployed headquarters battery uh fox or echo fox golf kilo and we all went and that was uh 2000 uh 2004 and that rolled through 2005 one year you guys did a year tour no it was seven months but we i think seven months yeah we went in like uh june july it was like july and at this point in time uh what rank are you at that point in time all right so i was uh i just picked up sergeant just picked up sergeant just picked up sergeant and i spent all all 12 months as uh, as a corporal as a section chief so I had my own gun. I had my own Marines. We went to the field. We trained together, did everything together. 
And uh, before we deployed, they told us we weren't taking cannons with us, that we were going as a provisional rifle company. So then I turned into a squad leader and my Marines turned into fire team and they're a mix of 0811s. I had some motor T guys, con guy, like whole mix of the, of, of Marines. And, uh, they were riflemen. They were, you know, uh, machine gunners. Um, they had two threes. They had everything that a infantry unit would have. And we were mounted. So we had our vehicles and we would do vehicle mounted patrols and we had, um our ao was ao manassas and it was the dis it was the the area between bag like outside of baghdad outside of ramadi and all the way to the saudi arabian border it was a lot it was a lot of uh it was a lot of uh open open desert right now um how many times did you have to deploy in your uh in your time so Iraq was the, my first combat deployment, and then I went to the drill field. Um, the drill field, okay. Yep. How so long did you do the drill? That was, for three, that, was for, that was for three years. Three years. Yeah, how that's was, the standard. Uh, how was that? Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, just... man. I mean, doing boot camp over and over and over again. Uh, you know, I can't imagine that's a good time. And then yeah. especially having to deal with a whole bunch of personalities. But it is better than uh, than recruiting in the fact that I knew what I was going to do every day. I didn't have right. to go find anybody, convince anybody to do anything. I made them do whatever I needed them to do from day one to the day they graduated. So there was yeah. not a lot of guessing. It was just physically taxing, you know, stand up from like three in the morning until midnight, getting a couple hours of sleep. And it's broken sleep because you're, waking up yelling at the kids on firewatch going back to sleep and just repeating it all night so you get like cat naps like throughout the night and then roll right into the day doing it all over again yeah and you uh, blow your voice out and all that good stuff uh, over mm-hmm. and over again huh? <laughs> oh yeah that's great though i mean uh what were the years that you did that from oh six to oh nine oh six to oh nine Yep. So kind of give us like how your your pre- your progression went in the Marine Corps cuz not too many often do you see someone that's in, you know on the list inside go into being an officer. So kind of uh tell us how that whole transition went and you know did you ever see yourself actually doing that or what kind of uh made you you know what kind of you know put you in that trajectory? Yeah, so I I wanted to do MESEP, the Marine Enlisted Commissioning Education Program from the time that I was a sergeant, but nobody could tell me how to do it. So we didn't have the resident knowledge to uh, help me put a package together. And I wouldn't have qualified anyway with the, uh, just knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten it because of my ASVAB score. I would have had to to increase that or uh, taken the ACTs, the SATs and gotten good scores on those to, to have done it. So, um, so I put it away for a while, went to the depot, completely forgot about being a MISA, came back from the depot, did two combat deployments to Afghanistan with uh, Tango Battery 511. And then uh, I got selected for assistant Marine officer instructor duty in Boston. So I was a senior enlisted advisor to the NROTC program um, for a major and a, a Navy captain. And then that was when uh, I went to OCS as a sergeant instructor. And I was like, huh, I could do this. 
and I looked at the Mar Admin, and I still qualified. I was on the very you know far reaches of uh, of the uh, the age range, but I still qualified. And I had done a a program a couple years uh, before. It was called the uh, Military Academic Skills Program. That I and I got my ASVAB score boosted. I went from a fifty to a, like an eighty, an eighty nine. So I qualified for it, and I, so I put my package in, and then uh, I left. A, excuse me, I left AMOI duty a little bit early, and I went down to uh, Quantico as a as a candidate and got straight hazed by all the the instructors that I had worked with in previous years. Yeah, they're like ah. Yep. They all heard, they all heard I was coming. Yep. They came after me. <laughs> they, they made sure I, they made sure I earned it. Man. That's, that's hey, but that's what friends do, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what friends are for. <laughs> yep. So that was, uh, that was kind of the, the pathway to the, uh, to the officer side. Um, and then I commissioned and, and I went a completely different route. I'd kind of been coached by my leadership at the basic school. And I had my heart set on artillery and I had logistics up there and pulled me off to the side. And they're like, do you really want to spend the rest of your life in the field as a, a you know, a, as a, a boot ass second lieutenant? And I was like, uh, you know what? No, I don't think so. So then they told me, but they're like, well, you know, we saw you put supply higher on your list. Why did you do that? And I was like, well, those, those are some skills. Like if I got that job, those skills are marketable when I get out. And they're like, okay, well, you could do that. And there's also this cool place called the Naval Postgraduate School that you can go to after and become a contracting officer. And they'll give you your, you know, you'll, you'll, you can earn your MBA there. And uh, I was like, okay, I think I'm sold on this. So I went ground supply, came out here to Lejeune and did, did the ground supply school. Um, and then I went to mag 13 in Yuma, Arizona. I was a 3051. Were you? Yeah, yeah. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was where, you know, I was a warehouse Bubba. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Box kicker. I love, I oh, love yeah. my ones. Oh man. I'll tell you what, when we deployed, we were, uh, we were busy. We, uh, yeah. Especially we were attached to a grunt unit, so we were supplying the front line Marines, and uh, we had all anywhere from MREs to yeah, uh, any uh, anywhere from boots to utes and she's uh, you name it, we supplied it. Right on, man. Yeah, my um, my warehouse chief, Staff Sergeant Jameson, um, she uh, she she deployed to Iraq with uh, she. I think she was she was attached to the uh the infantry but she was out and about and that was not common for you know for females to be doing back then so she kind of paved right. the way she helped pave the way that's great all right so uh now that you're uh keep going with the rest of your story sorry i cut you off and, and then oh no no we're, you're good part. um so i became a ground supply officer I did a, a tour at MAG-13 in uh, Yuma, Arizona. Uh, three years out there, it was great. Um, it's not as bad as everybody says when you're permanently stationed there. Because, um, you know, Vegas is a couple hours up the road. Tucson's a couple hours. San Diego's a couple hours. So you've got, there's an escape. 
Um, I and that's better than 29 palms. Well, it's way better because at least they've got a target. Right. Yeah. yeah. So at least Yuma's got a, tar- a, a target um, and a mall. So, and I had really great Marines. Um, I only had a couple that gave me a hard time that, I, that we had to, to deal with, but the majority of them were fantastic. And I still talk to them like to this day, like a couple of them went to DI school. I got a phone call the other day, tell them how much uh, they appreciated me telling them how bad it was going to suck so that they could mentally prepare for it. And uh, I have not, I've not disappointed them thus far. They've been there for like two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So they're straight miserable. Um, But then, so I applied for um, the uh, Naval Postgraduate School uh, contract management acquisitions program. And I was selected for that. So we went to Monterey, California for 18 months. And that place is a, that place is a gem. And uh, I told everybody after that, I was like, there's, there's no way that any other duty station that I'm able to go to will ever compare to that. So it's all downhill after that. It was just like 65 degrees every day. You know, the weather was always beautiful. It was just like the scenery, like the people, there was always, uh, there was always classic cars driving around. It was just, it was just great. So yeah, but I got while, while being there though, I was being punished because the MBA program finishing at 18 months was, uh, was, was pretty, uh, was pretty grueling. So, um, got through that, got, you know, finished my thesis, graduated, and then got uh, stationed out here in Camp Lejeune at the Marine Corps installations East at the regional contracting office. And right now I just serve as a, you know, I'm just le- kind of figuring things out as a contract specialist, like how to write contracts and, and support the, uh, you know, the warfighter um, the best way possible by just by giving them what they need. So, and that's where I'm at now. And I've, I'm at 22 years. I got a couple years left. And uh, I mean, I think this is a pretty cool way to finish, to finish it out. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Much respect to you. I mean, sticking it out that long. I mean, and especially a couple combat tours under your belt. I mean, not too many people. A lot of people once they kind of see that combat, man, they you know they're they're kind of some of them are done and some of them want more. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, much respect. I mean, are you guys um, do you deal with a lot with the younger? generation or you kind of you don't yeah, have to so really I, deal with them much or i've been asked to to i've got a, i've got one i've got one sergeant like on my team that's like the that's the only marine this, that that i've got is, is is him okay um but i was i've been asked a couple of times to, to speak at lance corporal seminar for their graduation i just did a corporal course graduation both jonas uh asked me to to uh come in and, and do and i was you know super pumped to do it because you don't get a, I don't get a lot of face time in front of the junior Marines anymore. Um, and the one thing that they're concerned about is like, are they, are they good enough? Because they don't have any, they don't deploy, you know, deployments are scarce and they haven't done anything that's, that they think is noteworthy. Um, and I made sure to tell them that, it, that they are, they are good enough. They're better than we were. They're smarter. They're more capable. They're just waiting for their moment. They're just waiting for their yeah. time. Right, and not only that, dude, but just think about when we joined in 2000, there wasn't nothing going on either, and, and there hadn't really been nothing until, like, you know, the uh, last thing was Desert Storm, which was the early 90s. Yep. So, you know, the round time we're going, 
you know, same thing. You know, probably people were thinking, ah, oh, the the they're getting laxed and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we it's just, there, it's just we, uh, we were, you know, there's no way the Marines will ever get weak. No, you know, I mean, I don't care the who, they put, created, yeah. who they plug into their equation. They're gonna spit out a warfighter. They're gonna do it. Yeah, they'll do the job. Right. They'll, they'll get it done. Exactly. They will get it done, and they'll do it. They'll do. A, they'll do a hell of a job. I mean, you know, there's, and that's another thing, man. Um, there's probably, you guys are starting to be kind of scarce as terms of uh, deployment Marines, the, the guys that actually seen combat. Oh, I know. Uh, uh, you, the, the, the percentage of you guys are probably getting smaller and smaller. So, oh, it's so small. it is good for you guys to get, you know, captured and go in front of some of these guys and, and to, to be, you know, at, you know, kind of advocate and, and talk about your experiences more yeah. in depth to them. I mean, I remember walking around and it wasn't uncommon to see like a, a Lance Corporal rolling around with like four rows of, of ribbons, just like a, right. a war, uh, just a war dog, you know? Yep. Um, and now you see master gunnery sergeants, sergeant majors with, you know, eight, nine. Row, like, yeah. It's just, that's just how it is. That's just the way it is, you know? Right. Because uh, all, all that, all those things mean is it's just, you know, it's, it's your resume. And we just had the opportunity to really fill that thing out um, with all the deployments. Uh, our numbers were called, tool. man. All of yeah. our numbers were called, right? So yeah. when we all swore in, and, and like, you know, you and I both didn't know that uh, right, right, it was peacetime. So when I swore in, I didn't know my number yeah. would be called. But I s signed and told them that if uh, my number was called, I would go. And that's yeah, I had no idea that I would I would live the every Marine's a rifleman dream, you know, right. So and that was kind of, that was one of the for both the uh, interactions that I had with the uh, corporals and lance corporals, I made sure to tell them that because yeah. you never know. You have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea what you're going to get, you know, be pulled into. I mean, the Marine Corps band, they like they they send them. Uh, in country and they stand post with the base yeah. uh, operations center, yeah. the defense oper yeah the base defense oper yeah, the BDOC the base defense operations center and they stand post, yep, and they they contribute so people think the band that they, they don't get that they don't get some they do. <laughs> I, I mean, they have a, a lot of people. I think have a misconception when it comes to MOSs and, yeah. and people get rung up, uh, the Pogue and this and that. I assure you, when you go in country and you're going, you're sent to combat, you're going to be put in a situation. You might have to man a 50 cal. You might have to put some uh, shots down range. You might have to uh, make some calls in calm. You know what I mean? I mean, you just never know. Yep. Because uh, we're doing convoys all the time in and out of, you know, the combat zone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, got to stay ready all the time. And that's why Marines, the you know, first and foremost, they treat us all as you know, riflemen, you know, and, and, uh, teach us how to put some rounds down range and kick some Yeah, it doesn't change between us and the, and, and the officers too, because they, they teach the officers that every Marine officer is a rifle platoon commander. Right. So it goes both ways. So now, um, how are you treated in the officer world in terms of being an enlisted gun officer? I mean, you carry a little bit more respect because I mean, uh, yeah, it's different from, you know, someone walking in a mile in someone's shoes versus someone who, you know, comes straight out of uh, college and kind of and we all have experienced that that butter bar, 
you know, guy gung ho straight out of uh, you know OCS versus someone who who's been in you know on the enlisted side, kind of been in the trenches and been in the the fuckery times and all that yeah. stuff that goes on. So yeah, how is that like life? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the the respect was already there, but they expected us to act us act like we'd been in for a while and not act right. like we, we we were just trying just now trying to figure things out. Sure. Um, we weren't we we weren't given that uh, that you know that out. We we owed it to the others that were around us to uh, to be confident in the things that we were doing and uh, to take up a leadership position. I mean, like right out of the gate at at the basic school, they made me the the uh, like the student CEO for one of the hardest parts of it, doing uh, the the rifle range and um, the movements back and forth, um, staying the night out there a few times. Um, so there's a lot of big, you know, big movements, uh, accountability, and then showing the staff that we were confident enough and competent enough to accomplish those things with, you know, with minimal supervision, because that's what we, that's what they expect out of us right out of the gate. They expect out of a, you know, and I remember being, I remember being a private uh, showing up to the fleet and they like the expectation for me was like, show up on time. And here, learn all these things. And if you don't learn it, you're going to get blasted. You know? So it's you like... don't want to get blasted. One, like, from, from one side of the spectrum to the other, it's just completely different. So, you know, I always tell the, you know, <laughs> the Marines that when they see a second lieutenant show up, I'm like, hey, they're going to get a hard time no matter what. You know, give them a little, give them a little slack. Because they've been through, they've already been through some hell. I promise. Right. So now is OCS like a whole another form of boot camp all over? It again? is. It's, so there so you go. Here you go, dude. So not only did you do boot camp, you were a drill instructor. Did boot camp? What did you, what did you do? Like nine cycles or something in those three years? Because that's yeah. right about right there. Nine cycles. So you did boot camp another nine. Then here yeah. you go, going to OCS to a boot camp again. Yeah. Man. Um. Yeah. So OCS, like they're screening you for leadership potential. They don't even care how many they graduate. Like they will get rid of. Oh, they just uh, I, think that, like, I think that the male attrition rate was about 20%. Females was 50% Jeez. per Jeez. cycle. Yeah. It's wow. pretty, it was, it was up there. Pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So how do you like being an officer versus being enlisted? Like, I mean, uh, big difference in the world. No, cause I mean, I was a, because I was a, a senior staff and CEO, it was kind of, I was already, already kind of doing it. Yeah, right. You know, given given some uh uh given direction and then just watching things happen, you know? Yeah. Right. And then just making sure it happened. Yeah. Supervising, just taking care of business. Yeah. Now the other thing, and you don't really necessarily have to go into this, but uh, you know, I'm sure you've dealt with PTSD in some kind of form and fashion. There's no no way, no doubt. Do they uh, have things now for Marines that have been in combat situations, uh, you know, for mental health? Because, I mean, back when I was in, uh, obviously, we weren't experienced with combat situation around that time. So I, I felt like mental health wasn't a big thing. But I feel like in what I've heard, 
is there's a lot more focus on the mental health side. Yeah, there people are, are more open to uh, seeking help. Uh, unit leadership is a lot more open to helping Marines get the help. Um, there's a huge outreach for it now. Um, they're giving people the resources, they're giving them the time. Um, and then a lot of the Marines that are in leadership positions now have been through it all. So they're able to give them kind of the, the ins and outs of it so they can figure things out. And at least they have somebody to talk to. Cause that was like the biggest thing is how to, how to start the conversation, you know? Right. And now I feel like you would be a great advocate, you know, for that kind of stuff being, you know, what you've been through and your yeah. experiences. Well, my wife, um, leader. my wife, actually, she is a huge advocate for it. Uh, she was a staff sergeant, uh, aviation ordinance, and she, right now she's contracted with a VA and she just does outreach for mental health. That is the, her, nice. her, her sole purpose is to, uh, to get the word out so that veterans use the VA mental health system. And we all know the VA is, it is a broken system and it depends on where you're at, but how good the, you know, the quality of care is going to be, or if they're going to even call you back. So she waited like a month to get an appointment out here and they were like, Oh, we'll call you back. We'll call you back. Never got a phone call back, you know? So, I mean, that just is what I, it I've is. Gone through it myself. Yeah. I've definitely been down it uh, a couple of times myself. Just as a matter of fact, uh, I got a call from the VA saying that they had a podiatrist appointment for my feet. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Mike, I'm thinking, man, there's no way. Like, I got that fixed. I ended up going to, like, uh, Kaiser to go get it fixed. And I'm thinking, if that's what they're calling me for, man, my foot would have fell off if I would have waited for this call. Yep. I mean, it was literally so long. I had to literally tell them, like, uh, I think I got that fixed. Because, you know, I got had gotten this big old shot in my foot and everything. But, uh -huh. yeah, I mean... They definitely, um, you know, I think it, they could definitely use some help in the way that they deal with things. And they send a lot of us down these telephone numbers. Uh, yep. You call and then you get somebody completely different. And they're like, hey, you know, a provider will call you in 24 hours and the provider never calls. And then you call back and you don't even talk to the same person. So the clock starts over. Right. You know, so people get they feel hopeless like there's no that they can't get help because of that. So that's uh so you mentioned your wife that's, and she's, she was a Marine as well. I yep. love it. So when did you guys meet? How did that work out as, you know, bringing two Marines? I mean, I'm sure uh, Marines understand Marines. So I'm sure in some ways it works out well, but tell us how that all worked out. So we met, uh, we met on the rifle range actually. Um, I was the, I was already a, dr a drill instructor. She was getting ready to go to recruiter school and, uh, yeah, it was kind of, we, we got married six weeks later. So it was, okay. yeah, we the like, Marine Corps, we were Marine like, Corps we were, wedding. Yep. Uh, flew to Vegas and, and, uh, eloped, made a lot of people mad, came back. I mean, we've been together for 15 years this May. Beautiful, man. That's yeah. Awesome. It hadn't been without our struggles, but, um, right. You know, we're, we're here. This is Mattis. <laughs> Hello there. Hi. How you doing? No. So, so yeah, how we many got kids. You guys got. We got two. Two kids. All right. 
The Marine Corps uh, didn't issue uh, you any of that, so I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so how many uh, how many more years are you going to do? Uh, I think I've got two and a half left. Two and a half years? Okay. Yep. Wow. And then that will put you at a total of 25? 24, 25, yeah, 20, 25. 25? My gosh. Wow. Much respect. Yep. So, uh, what is your plans once you uh, get out and stuff like that? Uh, do you have any? Well, I, I just I hope plans? to just leverage leverage my experience in the Marine Corps, um, the, the degrees that I have, and uh, you know, um, just try and do make the best out of uh, out of what I've been given. You know, right now, are you uh, trying to stay out on the East Coast side, West Coast side, where you, where you where you want to try to reside back at? Oh, we're not sure yet. We're not sure, yeah. but yeah, no, we'll figure it out. We've got to get the kids through high school. So yeah, whatever. If your wife's ever interested on in jumping on the show at some point in time, I've been trying to get uh females uh, on, you know, that have joined and get yeah, their perspective. Us. I would absolutely love it if she wouldn't mind um, jumping on, but I'll, I will, I will ask her. That'd be great. But um, yeah. so anyways, what else, what other, what other kind of things are you up to? I know you have, uh, the Bills Old Glory Shop. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I make uh, shadow boxes and uh, you know uh, wooden plaques and foot lockers for uh, first responders, military members, veterans, uh, active duty. You know everybody, and uh, we donate proceeds to uh, you know nonprofits that support veterans in their transition out of the out of the out of the military, and. Um, you know, we've got, we've been doing it for six years. Uh, this is our biggest year yet. You know, we're, I'm on track to, to make, I think, 80 or 90 shadow boxes this year, which is wow. insane. Wow. And uh, I mean, my there's a couple signs back there. Vince is the one on the, uh, all the way over here. That's Vincent wow. Bell. That's, that's why we do it. And he died in Afghanistan, uh, 2011. Um, he stepped on an IED. And, uh, you know, his family lost him and we've, we've just been trying to keep him, you know, keep his story alive and keep his family, uh, motivated and, uh, keep him in a positive, positive light. Um, so it, it's this, the woodworking journey has been, uh, it's been good for everybody. And we've donated, uh, just over $15,000 in the last wow. six years. Wow. That's so we've been amazing. able to make a difference and it's been, it's been fantastic. Wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. So you just do that on your uh, on your own time and yeah, just you, have, you, you know. I've seen them. Do. I've seen them on um, TikTok. They're absolutely amazing. Wow. So, so that's how the other part that Hannah she uh, she tells a story with them, um, and they're not they're not always about the person that that the shadow box is for. She tells uh, you know advocates for mental health by telling a story over a shadow box, just showing out you know what it is and it's. I mean, she's got a couple hundred thousand followers now and it's she's, wow. she, her out her outreach is pretty uh it's pretty great that's amazing and that's great because that yeah. you know that she's touching people and people are getting a message and yeah. a lot of people need to see um that's you know one thing that i actually you know love and have pride in being a marine is i'm, I'm constantly surrounded by heroes you know and 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 you guys never consider yourself heroes and stuff like that but you guys put yeah. on that uniform you guys represent america and and uh i mean some of the fiercest fighters some of the 
you know, you know, most awesome people I've ever been able to even meet. Um, you know, not even just Marines, but other veterans as well. But uh, Marine brothers and sisters, especially, I have a you know, obviously a close place in my heart for them. Yeah. And I know it's a rough life to live, and I know that you know the commitment that it takes to be a Marine. It's a lot because it's it's it is a, a lot. lot, and you and can't it's, explain it's a lot it. to give your life way that you have man i mean and yeah uh, that's that's respectful you know but you're at you're at you're definitely at the end man i mean yeah my gosh, it's been, it's been, it's been it's wild been, <laughs> no kidding when you look when you get to looking back at this i imagine you can probably write a book you know? i've been and i don't know if you're uh, yeah, I've been, about it it's, it's come up a few times uh and i don't yeah. know if i've got the if i have the skill to do it <laughs> You never know. Once you get out and, you know, you can kind yeah. of, uh, you know, remove yourself away from the Marine Corps, you know, life that you have to live uh, when you're when you're in the uniform. Uh, but once you get out, you can kind of start settling in and you never know what things can you, you will in, inspire to do. I mean, I've done a ever since I've gotten out, I've just constantly inspired to do new things. You know, I worked in the aerospace industry for 15 years before yeah. they uh, gave me 100 percent unemployability. And then I've uh, started doing like clothing, little businesses, and I started doing this whole podcasting thing. So, you know, you never know where things could lead once you get out. But that's right. There's a whole right. community of veterans uh, and to network with, man. And so, you know, if you ever want to end up on uh, the other side, I still have plugs at Northrop Grumman, which is aerospace industry. And yeah. They're all over the place, and you still want to, you know, go into the sector, the you know, civilian world. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on and and tell your story with us, man. And um, I uh, I really enjoyed it, and um, I hope you uh, you know continue doing great things for our nation. Um, hopefully, maybe I can get you on at another time. We can yeah, get yeah, absolutely. Some other stories or whatever. Um, but, you know, I know you're a busy guy, but I really appreciate you giving your time to me and, and uh, letting us talk. Got it, man. I appreciate you and what you're doing and, uh, you know, sharing people's stories and, and uh, doing it in a really good way. And I, I appreciate that. And I probably speak for a lot of people. And I thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's. Uh, kind of where I'm at in my life. I really want to exemplify the true heroes out there that don't seek the attention, but absolutely deserve every ounce of it. So uh, that's kind of what I like to do is, 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 you know, put out great people like yourself, you know, to me, man, I've, you know, when I read things about you, you, I just like, it lights me up. You're like, I'm like, wow, he's just a, you know, you're an instant hero in my eyes. Um, and I appreciate you, everything you and your wife have done for our country. <laughs> God, I, I've, I've, I have seen you guys on TikTok, and I know you guys have been heavily involved. I know you guys were involved in the whole evacuation and um, the Afghanistan. Oh, stuff yeah. And, yeah, that, we'd have to tell that story. We'll tell that story another day. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe actually that would be a, probably a good uh, round two is kind of talk about that because that was a pretty crazy situation, and I know you were pretty instrumental in a lot yep. of things so yeah I, I appreciate your time man i appreciate you as well so if you just hold tight uh i'll uh be with you in one second
All right, friends and fam, I appreciate you guys for watching. This was another great interview. He is a great, awesome person. He's an awesome Marine. So until next time. Urgh.